Explore the depths of your curiosity with aerospace engineer John Connolly, Columbia Space Center's Benjamin Dickow, and CEO of Heavy Metal Magazine Matthew Medney, as they bring scientists, engineers, and authors on a journey of discovery. This is Putting the Science in Science Fiction, where fiction and science collide. Welcome to Putting the Science in Science Fiction. We have my co-host, Benjamin Dickow, president of the Columbia Space Center over here. We have John Connolly, aerospace engineer from Lockheed Martin, myself, Matthew Medney, the CEO of Heavy Metal Magazine, which has been the purveyor of science fiction, fantasy, and horror for the last 50 years. And on today's inaugural episode, we're going to talk about quantum time travel, how it was used in Avengers Endgame, and its theories and actuality, and can it be possible? Uh, now uh, I'm gonna say hi to my co-hosts and see what what we can uh, make happen. What's up, Ben and John? Hey, how you doing, Matt? Thanks for having me. Good evening, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Matt this was berating is, um, me about five minutes ago. And you started out saying how how it was used in Avengers Endgame. Um, I really don't know. It's it was not easy to follow. So. Yeah, Anybody no, want to explain? I, um, <laughs> okay, the thing is, I feel like they were using one set of rules for the majority of it, and then at the very end, Captain America was there, yeah. and all of a sudden it was closed-loop continuity, and nothing made sense. What makes sense then would be is if it's not like Tony Stark couldn't have used it to travel back within his own timeline. He chose not to because he didn't want to create some there was no way to remove the infinity stones from their own past without it having catastrophic ripples so on that note of catastrophic ripples as scientists yourselves did you think their thought process especially the way the ancient one had explained it where if you move something from one timeline it affects the others and you never go back to that initial timeline because that doesn't exist anymore and your present is now that place's future do you think that is accurate in the way that we would in theory use time travel ben mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice um yeah i mean i guess so yes i think so i i do i it seems like that it's pretty consistent that if you if you were to change something in the past, it's going to change where you are now, um, and then that sets up all of those paradoxes that happen in many many theories. I think you know, for the purposes of this podcast, because it's science and science fiction, it it's this idea that is it plausible enough to be able to get the story through, um, and I think it makes it for if somebody loves a character. You don't want to screw up their timeline at all because you're kind of invested in sort of whatever they are, but it certainly creates a lot more drama and um, and uh, you know stakes, I guess. If there's this possibility that you're going to do one thing and it screws up, screws up everything, you can never go back. Which is how the new Star Trek uh, series used time travel, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And yeah, so Chris Hemsworth, who played Captain Kirk, right, dies in this mm -hmm. alternate timeline, creating this new lineage for uh, Kirk, for his son, mm -hmm. where he never meets Spock and he never mm -hmm. meets all these other people initially and becomes a drunk or an outcast because his father died, right? right? And then there's this road to redemption. But to your point, you, if, if that happened in the, uh, 
24th movie of a of a, a, a build up to that moment it'd be a bit anticlimactic exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's hilarious um john do you know any of the more technical terminology and things that endgame use i'm trying to look it up right now but like the the, the plank scale and the inverted mobius strip and all of the sciencey stuff that was plugged in there uh from uh you know robert downey jr's character was there any validity in that or is that just like science porn words truthfully i can't speak super well to have it. i just never really focused on those words and that's kind of a part of the movie when it comes along i'm just i sort my mind goes like okay now coming up with a bunch of clever things to be said that's relating to science fiction and then we continue on with the plot but um, I don't want to assume. So they could have some barren, certainly in quantum mechanics. Mm. I don't actually remember him mentioning anything about tachyons, which is um, one thing that I would find more familiar with time travel. So, so let's go down that rabbit hole. What are tachyons? Uh, tachyons are a type of quantum particle that appear to move backwards in time and it's very hard to explain like how that's supposed to work um even it's kind of like breaking the limits of our understanding of science and they are a theory and it's like a way that pulls a real theory yeah but they're not like a fundamental particle they're not part of the you know they're not categorized nobody's splitting splitting atoms and finding tachyons or anything like that all theoretical right now. Right, right. So so you hear it in theoretical science and in Star Trek, right? Actually, um, a lot in Watchmen. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that was um, what Osmanius used to blind Dr. Manhattan from seeing the future. And it mm -hmm. and kind of, it conveniently huh. worked for him because it didn't really matter when he actually got the technology built because he'd be able to send the tachyons back to a point in time to be affecting him. <laughs> but that's a... Uh... Leave it to Alan Moore to uh, <laughs> use real science, right? That's fantastic. Totally. I feel like tachyons came up in a, story, a Flash storyline too a while ago. And, and when I say a while ago, maybe like 20 years ago. Um, is, is tachyons what Flashpoint is about? Do you know, do you know the Flashpoint uh, series? No, it never, never, never makes mention of it. Oh, interesting. So ju just for your own knowledge, Ben, Flashpoint mm -hmm. is when uh, the Flash runs so fast in one direction that he moves time backwards. And, ch and, and the events of whatever that time continuum was that he was able to move past in repeats, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, there was a there, there's a few Flashpoint movies, but most recently there was an animated movie called... Um, uh, Justice League Dark that just came out this year, mm -hmm. and uh, basically through the whole series, uh, through the whole movie, everyone dies. All the <laughs> all all of the superheroes die. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, yep. they all get destroyed by Dark Side. And uh, at the end of the at the end of it, uh, the Flash is able to move so fast in the in in the right direction kind of like the original uh christopher superman, Reeves, superman. Mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. and rewrite the uh the the history but i was i was wondering if that was where where you saw the the tachyon reference is is fascinating 
Yeah, no, I remember I remember some sort of storyline. Um, and it might have even crossed over with the Green Lantern, but my my DC knowledge is fuzzy at best because it goes back <laughs> to like high school. Um but uh but you know it's making me think that like you know, Watchmen, it doesn't surprise me because you know, back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, but especially in the 80s, there was a lot of talk about subatomic particles. There, uh, you know, I grew up outside of Chicago where Fermilab is, which was up until CERN, you know, the most powerful particle accelerator on earth. And um, there was a lot of progress being made back then. Um, their director, uh, shoot, I can't, uh, Leon Letterman, who was a Nobel winner, came out with a, a book called The God Particle, where he really kind of explained all the subatomic, you know, fundamental forces and subatomic particles and, um, you know, it was kind of out there in the ether. It was around the same time that uh, uh, superconductivity was like really a thing. I remember when I was a kid at the muse science museum in Chicago, there was this awesome demonstration on the floor of super superconductors where you pour liquid nitrogen and you'd see the thing, you know, whatever. So it was just that kind was of amazing. out there. So that was the science that was out there being reported on. So it doesn't surprise me that some sort of subatomic particle quantum thing made it into a 1987 comic book like The Watchmen. That's so fascinating because, you know, I, until you, I'm not going to lie, until you guys just said this, I totally thought tachyons were a figment of Gene Rottenberry's imagination. <laughs> I'm not even, oh, I'm not even going like to front it was a on this episode. Sure. It's a techno babble word. Out of just that Star Trek adventure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. I totally thought that was techno. I mean, there's a lot of techno babble in Star Trek. Oh, totally. I just thought that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there an episode travel to techno babble? It, there actually might be in the original, right? Yeah, right. In, in, the, in the original, original with uh, uh, with William Shatner. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I never realized that tachyons were uh, theoretical in real life, right? I mean, you know, there's a ton of things that are that are real life theoretical that aren't just sci-fi, right? Like uh, a scientist that I that I like to follow a lot is Michio Kakaku, and his, um, you know, he has theories on how you know warp drive could work. That is is very similar to how warp speed works in in Star Trek, but just pulling gravity out from the bottom of space, right? And then moving those two points to closer to each other. Mm -hmm. um, I always find it so fascinating how Star Trek has been able to, you know, teeter that line of realism mm -hmm. and science and and also just be fiction, which is, which is why I thought tachyons were totally fake. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, they are theoretical particles, so they could be totally fake, yeah, but they, they're not they, they came science. out of fake. Right, right. They came out of science, but they're not necessarily the, not necessarily real. They keep, what um, do you guys think? Do you think, do you think they're real? Like in your, in your own, you know, humble opinions, what are, what are your gut feelings? Well, they are tech, they're technically they're particles that are move that always move faster than light. So it's kind of a convenient right. scenario of that it would be extremely difficult for us to observe them. In fact, we wouldn't ever be able to directly observe them. It would always be some sort of scary method. Um, mm -hmm. So it's kind of like almost on just it's putting something out there that it would be impossible to prove or disprove right now. You know, so much of this is, is like, especially, you know, this kind of physics is just, is the, is faith in the mathematics, right? So it's like, 
these things we observe this stuff about the universe and then these these equations and these theories kind of come out to fit that and these other things like tachyons pop out of that and the models all work whether they exist or not who knows but if it but if the outcome is sort of like truthfully describing phenomena that we can see or are affected by in in the universe then then i guess it's fine i mean it you know it doesn't really matter <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, I, I always find all of that stuff, I always find time travel in, in specifics fascinating because in theory, you know, we are time traveling if somebody could observe us from another solar system because of the mm. way light travels, right? Mm -hmm. So, so mm -hmm. in theory, there are, you know, levels of time travel that already exist. Um, it just depends on where you're observing different parts of the universe. I mean, we're observing uh, stars that are already dead. Isn't that, mm -hmm. in, in some regards, time traveling? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, with, I, I was reading a little bit more on, on this uh, about Endgame specifically, mm -hmm. and they, uh, uh, from what I can discern, the, the Planck scale mathematics was relatively accurate and then they kind of went into techno jarble when they said <laughs> they were going to use a inverted mobius strip as if that had any uh any bearing i mean an mobius strip is a real shape yeah yes yeah totally and i guess maybe and that was something too like i can't even imagine like an inverted mobius strip it's a Mobius strip is a shape that is continually wraps around itself. So inverting that seems like it would be the exact same thing. I was thinking the same thing when I was reading that. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh well. it's, it's, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it, it's a, it, it's funny because there's, uh, there's a, a science consortium that is always, um, uh, a paid, uh, by, by Marvel. Marvel always has them come and consult on the, on the uh, different uh, movies, so at like, like at what point did the scientists just just say, "This is enough science"? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> You've gotten to your limit. I'm not gonna hands off from now on. <laughs> you're you're just that's it to say. You're describing weird shapes. It's like weird space, weird shapes, yeah, yeah. space right. space time curvature <laughs> close enough. People can connect the sure, dots. Right. Exactly. Sam Neill does a much more in-depth, um, the actor does a much more in-depth description of it in Event Horizon. <laughs> Everyone should no. see that movie. If anyone remembers that. Wow, I haven't seen that oh. movie for a long time. <laughs> I have not, yeah. I have not watched that in a long time. That's the one with yeah. Lawrence Fishburne, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, right? it is. Lawrence Fishburne is in that also. Yep. Yes, he is. Uh, yeah. Wow. That, that is a, that's a fantastic movie. I've not seen that in a long time. It That's only close. got a twenty. It only got a twenty-eight on Rotten Tomatoes, but it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the that was his first post-Matrix movie, I think. I think you're right on that, Ben. I think it was his first post-Matrix. No, it wasn't. It was 1996. Um, but not, not, that was pre-Matrix. Oh, it's pre-Matrix. It came out before that. Wow, yeah. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Jeez. Hmm. Wow, it's a pre-Matrix movie. Hmm. Fascinating. Well, <laughs> if, for anyone listening, if you didn't think we were going to go yeah, down right. nerd movie rabbit holes, and I don't know why you thought you were going to listen to this, it's literally <laughs> in its title. But bringing it, bringing it back to, to some science, John, hmm? how would you 
theorize time travel. I know in, in our novel, we very loosely started thinking about it and we haven't really dived into it yet because of all of the butterfly effects and all mm-hmm. of the paradoxes it would create. But if you, John, were to hypothesize on time travel, what do you think? And then don't think you're getting out of this. I'm asking you <laughs> this next. Thanks. <laughs> Ew. It's t- it actually, I think causality wise, it works best at like a really large scale. Say if I made a time machine and I teleported to another planet and another star system and never had any contact with earth. Like I didn't really, the chances of me causing any sort of like entropic reaction Mm. across space that would affect earth, I feel is pretty minor, especially if it's, if you went, you know, thousands of light years away, because if you can teleport then let's say that doesn't matter. Um, and it would take light that long. John, for the people listening that are more like me and less like the two of you, explain what an entropic causality is. <laughs> okay, so if this is like an idea with um, when people talk about going back and, and affecting the past, literally if you went back in time, the moment you arrived, you would displace the air molecules around you, which would rapidly begin to affect movement and in turn in the course of a couple of days, the weather across a portion of the land, continent, so on and so forth, that, rea- that change is real. And small things would begin to happen differently, you know, ba- human activity based on the weather. Um, but almost immediately after that point, like every human being ever conceived would be different because the circumstances would be that tiny amount different for every human, which would yield a different human being. So, mm-hmm. like, it, it's just, Mm-hmm. the idea that people think that they can wield it and not irreparably change things, or it's like that I need to do this because I'm trying to save somebody. It's like, you are so selfish, even if you could do that. And not to mention, like, also, what does that look like from the standpoint of an observer who didn't travel? Because then I would think, like, okay, you know, if, if I'm here and mm-hmm. Ben says he's going to go back in time and kill me then and he has a time machine then it shouldn't matter that he hasn't walked into it yet because that action should have already happened in the past because he's going back in time so it's it's just it's wonder Mm -hmm. what if the timeline was was its own 4d dimension like the ancient one says in Endgame, where when you move back, that becomes your present, and where in you came Endgame, from they were becomes able to your jump past. Back to their own timeline. It works if you say that you can never go to your own timeline mm-hmm. and just go to other ones, because yeah, then you're just changing them forever. I think what would work is if you had some sort of a time bubble, if you could literally reverse all of the time within a space, maybe. Oh, wait. Okay. Pull on this thread. This is interesting. So in theory, okay. big, big, big scale, big scale idea. You have a Dyson sphere. That's a, some sort of very time large scale. device, very large scale. And everything has happened within that sphere. And it hasn't mm. had any sort of external 
facts. In mm -hmm. theory, if you had a technology that was mapping the action of everything happening within it, mm -hmm. maybe somehow it would have a means of reversing it. I don't know, but we're, you know, just what, mm -hmm. what is the actual, you know, we talk about that, but like, what are we grabbing hold to the literal space time itself and somehow rewinding it? Like what, you know, just as, as we begin to think about that, like, how are we at, like, what are we actually moving through? You know, we, you know, we talk about time as this fourth dimension and it has, you know, we do see time dilation effects occur because of extreme gravity or as we approach the event horizon of a black hole mm. or we uh, approach the speed of light. Interstellar shows that great, right? In, in the scene where, yeah. where they're on the planet and then the man's still on the spaceship and he ages 26 years in a matter of an hour mm -hmm. on the planet, right? That is exactly what you're talking about, right, John? So, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Fun fact about that is if you were to have that type of, t that extreme of time dilation occur by being close to the speed of light, you would be at 99.9 plus percent of the way to the speed of light. That was a extreme time dilation. <laughs> Very extreme. <laughs> that, was, that would be like, you, you'd have to be, have a su uh, super giant star in the engine of your starship to yeah, maybe be right. try attempting that. That's, that's yeah, that, that's really pushing E and E equals MC squared to the very limit. <laughs> it's another show. Yeah. Another yeah. Show. That show. But that's not really, but, but that, you know, time dilations that like, that's not really time travel. Like oh. that's an, that's an effect on time. Yes. Right. But I don't feel like that's yeah. really time travel. And that's the thing is like, I think everything you've said, I totally agree with that. I think like that, I, I do think that small actions can have larger consequences. I think that, you know, um, you know, chaos theory kind of shows that is is mathematically and that that's that's definitely something that can happen. So, but as far as like, you know, me going back 50 years or something like that to live my Mad Men lifestyle fantasy or whatever, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know if that is not, I don't know if it's possible, not from a scientific way, but I just don't even know if it's like, I don't even know if it's desirable in, in some ways, right? It's because um, wouldn't you then, like, would you be conscious of that? If that all of a sudden becomes your past and becomes your sort of time lifeline? Like, are you, how does, how, how does the, how do the small changes that happen if you screw with your timeline change, you know, your own personality and your makeup and oh, like, what's the person that you are when you pop up? you know, especially then in the future too, like, like, it's just, I think, I think the idea that you as a thing can move, like, as a, as a, um, a compartmentalized thing move throughout this timeline is crazy, because, because this idea that everything we do affects everything else, and that there's this sort of cascading effect through time. Wow. So maybe, so I guess in that sense, maybe it is possible to do it, but we would maybe never know it because we would not ever be conscious of that um, because it would change us just as much as it would change everything else. Or I think you, it would work within the realm of if it's closed loop continuity and it's like the mm. movie 12 Monkeys where it works, it's <laughs> just already been in play and everything in your life has already been under that and, right. and nothing, nothing to do will ever matter. And being able to change because things are have already been put in 
So I, I have a question that I'm going to ask first, and then I want to know both of your top three time travel movies and bottom three mm. time travel movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why didn't you ask this ahead of time, man? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it. I only I only came up with it, uh, and, and uh, right now is because uh, we've already talked about four different movies that use time travel, and I'm curious what your guys' True. thoughts are on it. But first, my, my my question is, and after hearing you guys kind of talk through time travel, there, um, what I understand is it is not only theoretical, but it's 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 mathematically plausible to travel forward in time. The issue. Mm -hmm that we all come up with is traveling backwards right mm -hmm. so so it it, it 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 seems to me that when we're talking about time travel in in movies you know granted the time dilation in interstellar is a, is a little aggressive but you know einstein's uh theory of relativity and and, and his time dilation theory that more uh is respect to the speed of light relative to the objects next to it is is mm -hmm. is mathematically what would happen right so like because because that is what ancient alien theorists like like if you ever watch that show right ancient aliens on history channel mm -hmm. it's all predicated on the idea that aliens came to them what would be two years ago because they're now traveling at the speed of light but relative on mm -hmm. earth is four thousand years which is when ancient egypt was and that's what they predicate their whole philosophy on right ben mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. philosophy is a loose word but yes <laughs> um but yeah i get what you're yeah i get what you're saying and you know and i, I what i was going to jump in at is is the you know, that's not just math, you know, Einstein is not just mathematically proven, but it's physically proven too, right? So they've, they've sent clocks into space and taken really high, you know, really great measurements and mm -hmm. they've seen the effect on, uh, on those clocks. So there is, that exists. Um, but that to me, again, like to me, that's not time travel. That's screwing around with time or manipulating it or, you know, seeing an effect on it. And it shows that time is a thing, but whether it's something that we can manipulate and move around in and stuff like that. That's the part that I'm, I don't know if I'm skeptical of, cause I do, you know, it's hard to be skeptical. And also if you believe in quantum mechanics, it's hard to be skeptical of a lot of things because it's quantum mechanics is pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, but anyway, yeah. So I, yeah, just the, it's the, it's the traveling. It's the, it's, it's the narrative part of time travel that I have a hard time with, but the idea that that time is a thing and it's something that we still need to understand. And, and there are, you know, it's, it's subject to forces and physical constraints and all that kind of stuff. I think that's totally, totally. My, my non-scientific brain that's never been formally educated has always thought that time and gravity are interwoven in ways in which we have yet to understand. Do, you, do is that is that a fair thought? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that there's, I mean, just even even the theories around you know black holes and again, like I, I just referenced that something came, I know that two weeks ago somebody came out with some new idea about time travel and and that it's plausible and I'm gonna try to look it up. But I think that has to do with um, you know gravitational waves or or black holes or something like that. I think there's there's definitely a connection there. What do you um, think of element one fifteen? Do you think we could ever stabilize it? And if we could stabilize it, would that have any thought in propulsion technology that could 
lead to other discoveries in this field with gravity. Mm. That's a lot to ask um, at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, because it's it, it to me and to anyone listening to give Ben a second to think. Uh, Element One Fifteen to me is the most fascinating thing because it was something that was thought to be some kook who was talking and then ended up actually being real science. And that is always fascinating to me, is the idea that uh, a conspiracy theory was turned, in, in, as far as I'm aware, it's the only time that something was, was laughed out of the scientific community as straight up conspiracy, not, and, and caveat that a lot of stuff was laughed out of the scientific community in ancient times when people were using religion to push it but that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about in modern times it's the first thing that i'm aware of where a scientific community said this is fiction and then somebody said it's fact and then 15 years later it was became science fact and that has always fascinated me yeah i mean i well okay so well that that story in and of itself or this that storyline that you know that but that's how science works right is that and that's kind of the essence of this podcast uh, when you think about like star trek 50 years ago they were postulating all this technology that alone and behold we have a lot of it right now um you know it, that was it was looked at as something fantastical and goofy but now it's proven to be a thing and there's always this chicken or an egg of like would communicators have existed or would cell phones have existed without the inspiration that people got from star trek or you know or would have would it have happened anyway fascinating you know whatever so the same thing with like the you know this element you know one way to get a nobel prize in chemistry is to synthesize a new element right there's a lot of incentive to put another notch on that table so some crazy guy says ah hey there's gonna be an element 115 that's a challenge to somebody to say like i'm gonna freaking find that thing um so you know, maybe I, I feel like the, there's that sort of story of science and the process of science and the the idea of like what inspires these things is that's the fascinating thing to me is um, that there's always these it's as much of a human game as it is any sort of like scientific method. So 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 to sum that up, everything is science fiction until it's science. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's a cool way to think of things. And then, but then it goes back on itself because, right, you guys wrote a science fiction novel totally based on being inspired by science. A hundred percent. And then, and we, we, we put in there that lightsabers could be real. And then, you know, two weeks ago, somebody uh, yeah. came up with their actual, an actual lightsaber yeah. that, that crazy. looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, it, it, oh yeah, it is awesome. And they even like designed it to look like one too. That's the thing that was, that's, that's the thing that's amazing to me is it's not like some guy saying, oh, I'm going to build this lightsaber and I'm going to put this, you know, our technology to work to make this lightsaber. I'm actually going to take the time to also make it look like a lightsaber. <laughs> that was the that's, cool, that's that amazing. Was the cool thing and uh, uh to, to me that was like that that is so it, it was so cool because there's some other things in our book also that we had but we had said by 2044 all cars uh in california would be electric cars and then 
three mm. months ago, they put the law in place that by 2033, they would be not selling uh, non-electric cars anymore, which right. puts that right on the same timeline for a decade later. So uh, to your point, right. you know, science influences fiction and fiction influences science. And, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because I don't think you could ever have great science without creatives thinking of what could potentially happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And I think, you know, the origin of science is looking up into the stars and being like, what the heck is that? It's wondering, it's, you know, trying to build some storyline around the stuff that they're looking at at night when it's super dark outside. So, totally. um, yeah, I mean, I think this idea, um, I'm going to get on a soapbox and kind of veer us away from time travel and much more into my wheelhouse. Sorry, everybody, but what the hell? Um, That's fine. So this idea that, you know, this sort of traditional divide between, you know, art and science, you know, is crazy. I, we're proving it right now, right? To show that you need to have all the creative processes that you have as a human being to do science. And you probably also need the skill set of a scientist to do art. That's, those things happen all the time. Um, but in my daily life, there's this, in education, there's this idea of, um, you know, there's STEAM, it's science, technology, art, engineering, and math. And the idea of categorizing those things in some ways defeats the purpose of that, of what it's trying to do, which is to bring those two things together, because it still regulates art as this thing and science is this thing. And you have to teach both at the same time to, to be, it, it, the idea is that these things are whole in and of themselves. So if you teach science, you're also teaching creativity too, if you're doing it right, because science is a creative endeavor, just like anything else. Anyway, that is my soapbox for today. I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> no, I, I, I couldn't agree with that more though. That That's the, uh, now that you say it, you know, like the, the amount of creativity that had to have come out of someone to say that we were orbiting a, a, a ball yeah. of fire before we could see that it yeah exactly incredibly exactly. creative <laughs> yeah so so all right let's bring it back around to time travel then so then yeah i mean i think that's why when you're asking me like you know is this possible or whatever it's like well right now and with all the evidence that i have which admittedly is not as much as somebody um as other people like i feel like maybe it's possible but or maybe there's some aspect of it that would be possible but i in but i think it would be extremely difficult to know because of our constraints right but who is there who's to say that it might not be possible in 10 years that somebody's going to come up with some sort of breakthrough or something totally i i i think the uh the, the time bubble that doesn't distort the time around that john said seems really yeah. interesting and maybe we should even write a story on that but all right let's wrap up this uh this episode with what are your favorite and least favorite time travel movies i will i will start and i will say uh time cop is my least favorite <laughs> i don't think i don't think any scientist was um was consulted on on that um sure. movie and i think uh i think I'll, I'll steal john's from earlier uh 12 monkeys is probably the best use case of time travel from the point of view of the causality 
that it would create and how it reconciles it. The actual device maybe is a little bit more fictiony, but I really appreciated how much effort they put into the causality effects of time travel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John, why don't yeah, you go next? Cool. That makes sense. Least favorite, I've to say, warning this, wearing this one, that cluster that is Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. It's. I take it back. Like, I have. I love it. Honestly, for the first three movies, because in the end they didn't change it, and it really did loop, and I thought that was fantastic. But then, like when then the larger scope, and it just started getting crazy, and it has so many diverging ones. So I feel like it's my favorite and least favorite at the same time. My actual favorite is Stargate Continuum. Ah, that's a that one, uh, interesting one. Yeah, it's. I'm sure many people have seen it, but I like its story. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to hard to evaluate. Like, are we evaluating the actual time travel itself or the movie? <laughs> um, so, sentimental favorite for me, I think, is Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. It, it is good. I um, thought about that. <sighs> I don't know. There's just something about that one i feel like it was the last great great time of of the star trek franchise in some ways the rest i mean next generation's fine and stuff like that but still like that something about that movie um oh man and the worst Jeez. It's the whales yeah it's the whales but i mean like call me cheese ball totally am but i think it was great uh the other one you know back to the future is always a good one too which i think they wrestled with things but as a movie it's hilarious I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um the causality of his mom hitting on him should have created yep. more <laughs> backlash than it did. exactly yeah. Exactly. No, right. And then the whole the device of you're know, kind of talking about you know altering altering your past the, the device of the of the photograph that start you know things are disappearing in the photograph <laughs> like just totally totally crazy. But like you're watching it and you're like, oh yeah, sure, that's a great that's a good device. Like it makes sense. Um, yeah, you follow. Yeah, you, you could follow with it instantly. Yeah, totally. And that's kind of that's what this is all all about. Oh man, uh, the worst though. There there are so many. Time Cop is a good one. Um, yeah, that's that's yeah. Terminator Three, man, geez, the whole the whole franchise. Um, trying to think. Um, yeah, that's those are. I'm, I'm gonna stick with you guys on those. Those are pretty bad. I can't even think. You know, another good one too that I forgot um, when we were talking about like effects and stuff like that. But it's I guess maybe it's more maybe it's more psychological. But like Donnie Darko is got a time aspect to it i think that's really that's good really that's true i, I was tommy darko is a great one i was gonna say another movie that 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 is in a, a very small category which is the science of it is really good but the movie really sucks is ashton mm-hmm. kutcher's butterfly effect they actually nail oh. time travel in that but the movie is really good. yeah the, i mean i mean it's not you know, I, I don't want to give him too much credit. You know, it's a movie based on the theory of butterfly effects. And sure, sure. They, and yeah. they, they follow it to a T. So it, it makes sense mm-hmm. scientifically. But it's an Ashton mm-hmm. Kutcher movie from like 2004. And it, it, it's a little hard to watch. <laughs> Never seen it. Two things. One, I realized the one for me, um, timeline. <laughs> um, 
Oh. Wow, that's an old one. Yeah. Uh, I do want to preface, uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day is a masterpiece of a film. Um, Sure. Yeah. As I said, after that point, it it definitely went downhill. Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Agreed. Right. But it's but it keeps it simple. It's not like you know, it's just like two go back. That's it. <laughs> right, right, right. But I mean, I guess the the that's the thing is like for a franchise that's based on time travel, really, like to after after two to just kind of let it all fall apart is is egregious. Um, <laughs> Agreed. The other movie that is probably wouldn't be considered a sci-fi movie, but it, Groundhog Day is a great time time travel movie scientifically who knows what the heck is going on in that movie like at all but the kind of chewing on the moral part of it or the sort of decision making part of it is is pretty cool like if you could go back in time just a day what would you do to change your life that's pretty that's pretty profound no groundhog day is uh, is an amazing one another one that 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 manipulates time like that but it's not necessarily time travel is the curious case of benjamin button Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That one, that one uses That's time, cool. and then you know, in a, in a very abstract way, Cloud Atlas does it through the rebirth of souls, but follows timelines across mm. many centuries, which is which is an interesting one. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, I, I hope our uh, listeners have gotten some interesting science weaved with fiction today and uh we uh we look forward to uh, seeing you guys next week and uh, uh this is matt signing off for episode one uh thanks for tuning in thank you thank you